people pussyfoot around the clothes. Like so much. They don't tell you what to do. The most important is removing as much fear as humanly possible from buying something from you. Think about it this way. They don't know who the fuck you are. They don't know what they, what you do. They don't really know you. They can't have a beer with you. They can't have a drink with you. They can't like see you and hang out with you on a day-to-day basis. What they have is a, a level, an umpteenth amount of your energy and attention of who you are to convince them as their whole being to make a decision. We're on a mission. We're going to find and uncover the smartest, most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. Explore their highs, their lows, and how they ultimately mastered the game. I'm Martin Cook, and I'm excited to welcome you to the Smarter Destiny podcast. I'm grateful for you and your time. Now let's level up together. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Smarter Destiny podcast. So this time we have my good friend, Adil Amazi. He is known as the $700 million copywriter and I've challenged him on that he's like yeah actually I'm pushing 800 so we've got a guy that is immensely talented immensely creative and convincing with his words who has served clients over 400 different markets clients including Jay Abraham Jason Horning John Benson and tons and tons of other names that you will probably know and go oh shit that guy he is being he has been writing copy since the age of 12 he's only 30 now and yet he's world renowned spoken in stages all over the place and in this interview he has challenged me to ask him absurd outrageous questions and put him on the spot with um, writing amazing copy about stuff and topics that he doesn't know anything about that I'm going to hit hit him with live on air and he's cool with that so we could have a really really fun introduction so we have a really fun introduction, really fun show. So without further ado, Adil, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me, Martin. I'm glad, and that was a great kick-ass intro. I feel so honoured. No, I only messed up twice. No, it's you guys good. are... <laughs> so guys, if, you, if you're Anchorman fans, as, um, as you should be... Um, oh, damn right. I'm we'll kind say, of a big deal here. <laughs> kind of a big deal. Here it is. <laughs> you know I still like coming. to say that 70% of the time... What was it? 70% of the time works all the time. <laughs> there we go. Exactly. If you quote Anchorman, you sell stuff. I think maybe we've, we've already tapped into your copywriting secret just there. Just quote Anchorman. <laughs> Pretty so much. You like, you know, movies. <laughs> so whereabouts in the world are you right now? So I'm in London, England at the moment. So mm-hmm. I'm staying here, which is nice. I've been here for almost six years in London. Prior to that, I just lived in Leicester and Plymouth, which is quite nice. And a few other places around the world. Nice. I almost went to university in Leicester to study psychology. Almost. Oh. Oh, turned yeah, it down yeah. in a gap year. No, I turned it ah. down in a gap year. I had a place. But uh, decided I'd just go out and do the real world and stuff. But figured that psychology is important, you know? It, it is. People. Funnily enough, I was actually planned to go to Leicester Uni. Or was it DMU or Leicester Uni that you were going to? Uh, it, was the, it was the proper university of the two options. Oh, University of Leicester. Yeah. So um, that's actually what I was going to, to do my psychology degree as well. So you would so had we gone, had we both pursued that path, you would have graduated, I think, the same time I would have started. Amazing. Well, if I took a gap year, I think it'd have been two years, probably yeah. two years in between us. So I'd have been like the the older student welcoming you into Leicester and showing you the best places to get a Jaeger bomb. Yeah. More like yeah, pretty much. I'd be like, I know where all the food is. How do you mean? Group here. No all the food places. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so Adil, the, what we do in this show is we go back, we do a little bit of an origin story, um, we figure out where you came from, um, typically we start with some sort of 
Oh, a conflict maybe that, that really set the tone, set the path um, and, and, and set your destiny ahead. And so we'll, we'll start at that point. We'll come up to the current time and we will um, get there quickly because we want to get in the weeds about copywriting and, Fair and, and, I'll, and why it works. So I'll do this as quickly as humanly possible. But well, uh, paint a word picture for us. Oh, I will do my best. No pressure. Okay, so I'm going to take you guys back to, uh, to basically 1994. Uh, actually, we'll go further back. We'll go to like uh, late 1993. So uh, three-slash-four-year-old Adil is running around in Tanzania because that's where I was born um, in Africa. And I slip and hit my head on a piece of wood. Like I slip, hit my head on the table, uh, corner table, bust my head open, bleeding, put stitches in, hole up. The reason why this is a significant trigger for me is because it fundamentally changed my personality. Because prior to this, according to my parents, they were like, you never cried. So, like, as a baby, you did not cry. Like, in you as a father, you know this, babies cry a lot. Uh, I apparently didn't at all. My mom was like, you're a magic baby. You slept, like, four hours at night, woke us up, and you didn't cry once. Like, you'd wake us up by sitting on us. You wouldn't, like, do anything else. You wouldn't cry at us. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's real civilized. Yeah. After cracking my head open, I cried all the goddamn time until I was 12. But there is a significance to this, because shortly after this incident, my parents decided to move to the UK. So we moved over to the UK. Uh, in 1994, which is really, really nice. Um, me and my mom and my sister, we joined my dad here because he came in a little bit before us. And about a year into living in the UK, because I, back home, uh, my family came from money. Like We had uh, a lot of wealth there with our family wealth, generational wealth. We moved to the UK. We didn't bring that with us. So it was very much like an immediate restart. And it was a very weird thing for a person that's four years old. It's very used to saying, I want this, and it appears to I want this and being told we don't have the money to do this. So it set like a very weird precedent in my head about what money was and how to get around it and what to do. So that kind of drove me because I remember my dad used to ask me when I was younger um, what I was asking for, like at my nighttime prayers and stuff like that. Oh, what do you pray for? What do you like wish for? Or stuff like that. Uh, what are your dreams? And I used to tell my dad I wanted to be a pro wrestler because I loved pro wrestling. Good old WWF and WCW. Cannot fault those days. Um, I wanted to be a cartoonist because I loved cartoons or I wanted to be, um, I said, no matter what I do, I know I'm going to be a millionaire. There are literally millions of dollars in my bank account in the future. They're going to come to me. And I was four years old saying this to my dad. Like I said, I said this till I was about nine or 10 years old. Um, but in that moment when I was, so the year after I'm five years old, my sister's a few years older than me. She's like, a, she's a, she's about six years older than me. So she can beat the crap out of me to say the least. Like, She's older. Um, we were watching, uh, growing up in the 90s, as you remember, there were two big fights if you had cable, and that was Cartoon Network versus Nickelodeon. That was kind of how it was. You either was, you were one or the other camp, mainly because Cartoon Network had cartoons. Nickelodeon had more stuff like Keenan and Kel, Sister, Sister, and some of the greatest shows ever that we now look back on. At that time, however, my dad had a herniated disc. So my dad couldn't walk at this point. He had, like, at the, at the, at the end of, 94 star 95 my dad's legs started giving away like for some reason this honey's disc put so much pressure on his spine caused him problems he couldn't walk as well so he would spend a lot of the time sat in front of the tv and my dad was very active like to give you an idea when my dad was 20 like until my dad was like 30 um the man used to run like 30 miles a day that was his morning wake-up routine get up at four in the morning go for a 30 mile run with his best friend come back home and start his day and he'd do this in like four or five hours which is just mind-boggling to me that this guy was in that level of shape. 
So, of course, frustrated, you sit in front of the TV, watch whatever's on. Now, my dad had an affinity for watching four shows. And I'm only going to give you the first two. And that was The News and 15 to 1, which is a trivia game for my American friends that have never seen that show. It's very high trivia. Around that time, me and my sister used to fight a lot. We'd fight about who gets to watch TV when no one else was watching it, who gets to spend time there. There was a whole bunch of stuff. So I figured out very oddly that if I spent time with my dad and sat next to him, when he got up to move, I could change the channel and no one would beat me up. No one would take it away from me because I put in the graft, I put in the work, I get to watch what I want. So I end up watching the news with my dad, which is a mistake because it's so much negativity, but you understand how propaganda works, which is very, very interesting. Then I'd watch 15 to 1, which is all about trivia. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Weird, random facts are fun. I like that. Uh, followed up by a show called Countdown, which is all words and numbers. So, of course, words and numbers are there. My brain, because I was trying to work out word combos, like mathematical equations, while I'm like five years old, because I thought it was fun. Um, and then finally, the show that really surprises everyone, my dad loved QVC and the Home Shopping Channel. The man used to put on Billy Mays for two hours a day, six days a week for two years. So. Any psychologist or anyone worth their salt with psychology knows the last like five to seven is where your brain really forms your personality, who you're going to be, because those are your beliefs and that's where your conscious brain starts to take form. In that time, I had trivia, propaganda, words and numbers, and selling all drilled into my brain for two years. So is it any surprise that as I got older, I became what I am? Because at eight years old, um, my cousins were staying with us. My little trick for getting what I wanted was I'd wait till my mom was on the phone and she would just do whatever it is to shoo me because I would annoy her. <laughs> I'd walk up to like, mommy. She's like, what? I was like, can I play on my PlayStation? And I'd, I'd annoy her. I'd just keep singing until she said yes. And she would. So mom's authority superseded everyone else's authority. So I'd go into the living room while they're watching TV and be like, mom's, I can play PlayStation. I'm going to sit down and play my PlayStation. Would not, give a, would not give a fuck about that. Just whatever. Screw you guys. I'm going to do whatever I want. Probably not the most popular cousin, but screw you guys. I don't care. Um, and my mom caught a cottoned on. She had just like cottoned on one year and she looked at me and went, you know what? You're such a little manipulator. Like I remember my mom saying this to me and in my head, I was not offended. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Cause I thought it was a fun word. Um, fast forward to me at like 12 years old, right before I go to secondary school or middle school for my American friends. So I'm like 12 years old, um, 11 turning 12. My, uh, my teacher pulls my parents aside at the parent-teacher conference and the like, parents even be like, hey, your son's smart, but he is a bit of a perfectionist. Um, the amount of times that he's been writing a book or writing, copying something down from the board, he'll make one mistake on the page. Instead of crossing it out, he'll tear the page out and start again. Like could be the last full stop on, a cent- uh, on like, the bottom of the page. He'll tear it out and start again because he thinks it's imperfect. They're like, so you need to get him to write quicker. I find um, around this time uh, first year like I started really going to my like my dad had a business he was walking again at this point and he used to ask me to write stories for him he was like could you write a story for us put it in whatever it is he had an import export business um, around that time I started you know I started secondary school I was a bit of a natty kid very quiet wasn't very good at sports uh, was a bit of a butterball so it was kind of like a very weird place for me to be. And I stopped crying like immediately the first day of school because I got punched in the face. And I was like, I don't cry anymore. Um, not a smart move, but hey, emotions are a thing. And when you're a teenager, you don't really think about emotions. Um, year later, 13 years old, my parents separate. So my school commute goes from like 
30 minutes there and back to an hour each way on a bus in the morning. And I also start taking up kickboxing and Thai boxing at this point. So it was all kind of culminating in a weird place of like creativity and uh, getting to know my body a little bit more. So I start playing basketball. I start getting into like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of hip hop and R&B and lyrics, but I'm also now into rock and everything else. So like my music taste is starting to become eclectic. I like stand up comedy. I have all these different influences in my life. But the most consistent was I still had to write a fucking story every day. I had to give it into my dad at the end of the week. So I used to spend the one hour tra- bus ride to school and the one hour bus ride back reading and writing. Like that's all I would do. I'd have a notepad and pen. I'd just write. If I had friends on there, I'd talk to them, wait till I got on my bus where I knew there was no one else going. And I'd just basically write for a while and have that in the weekends. Now, fast forward, like I'm 16 years old, you know, I've got a published poem. Uh, I've started to look at artwork. I've started to look at different things. Creativity is kind of blowing up the way it is. Fast forward to 18, uh, my Thai boxing coach, when I'm 17, approaches me and says, hey, when you turn 18, do you want to start a business instead of working for everyone else? So I was working in a place called Game Station, which was a dream job for me. I got to work with games. The staff were amazing. I'm still friends with uh, my old manager. He's one of the coolest dudes ever. Um, so I had a great time. But around this time, you know, he's like, hey, do you want to make more money and whatever it is? I was like, wow. So making 30 grand a year as an 18-year-old is kind of incredible, is what I was thinking. Mm. I was like, sweet, I'm going to go do that. Um, it was a network marketing company. I joined up didn't make any money initially. Then we moved over to another network marketing company, which is called Success University that is now bought out by World Ventures. But at the time, it was a self-development network marketing company. So all you did was sell self-help. You just went to people and say, hey, uh, yeah, do you want to take this course? Great. Sign up under my link. That was it. That's all you had to do. It was like the easiest fucking sell ever. Uh, within six months, I had, a, I had a team of 10 people underneath me. Me and my upline got into it a little bit. Unfortunately, we fell out. Uh, which sucks because he's a, you know, he is a great guy overall. It's just a thing that happens with people. Um, so f- shortly after that, I went to a seminar where I was like, okay, I need to start building my business because at the time I was trying to be an affiliate marketer as well. Uh, didn't even know what copywriting was, by the way. I had no clue. None. Mm-hmm. Go to this event and um, I meet some of the speakers. They're like, oh, cool. Got some great strategies. Became friends with some of the speakers. Like, this is amazing. I don't know why they liked me. They just did. Next event comes around three months later. I'm asked to crew the event. So I'm going into the crewing part of the event. And um, they put me in charge of the green room. So I get to sit with all the speakers that I've become friends with already. And at this point, I started making like 45 bucks a week on ClickBank, which isn't a lot of money. Let's be honest, $180. But I was living at home, had no prospects. I was a school dropout because I left schooling at 17 because I failed my first year of A-levels. And I thought, screw it, I'm just going to start a job now and start getting better at things. I don't have time to waste, um, like, resitting stuff. And then finally, uh, what really kind of was the break was I was at this event. I remember being asked by Alex Goad and Stephen Nasser, two really good dudes, um, what are you good at? And I said, well, I'm really shit at traffic. It's like, yeah, 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 but what are you good at? I was like, uh, I had 10 people buy, I had 10 people view my blog post and seven people gave me money. I know that's not the greatest number in the world, but like uh, they joined my team and I've got both of them like gawking at me like the fuck is wrong with this kid 70% and he's acting like it's nothing. He's like adult. There's a room full of people in here that will be willing to pay you 10 grand or more just to do what you did for yourself. So at this point I was like, Oh, what's that? They're like, you're a copywriter. Just go with it. So I remember coming home at this point, my parents had gone back together um, and we're staying at my mom's place. And I remember coming home. It's one of the few times my dad and I really saw eye to eye around this point. And it was asking him, 
uh, and him going, oh, so what have you decided to do? I was like, I'm going to be a copywriter because my dad was not okay with the MLM thing. And he was like, what are you going to do with your life? I said, I'm going to be a copywriter. He's like, cool, wait here. He goes up, finds a black file, gives me the black file, goes, read the first three ads, read the first three fucking ads. By the third ad, I'm looking at him going like, uh, this looks really familiar. He goes, yeah, they're your ads. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, we used to take your copy and take it down to our guys and get them to edit your work before we mailed it out for my company until we sold it. I was like, are you shitting me? Which is why I say I've been writing copy since I was 12, because yeah. that's when it began. I was just unconscious for the first six years. Uh, fast forward from the time I was 18, um, I started studying Gary Halbert, John Carlton, all the guys. And uh, Gary Halbert, you say, if you really want to get good at selling, take every job in sales. So I did door-to-door selling for six months. I did telesales for three months, all while building up a copywriting portfolio. Uh, one of my first big wins was I got hired by a, uh, a state agency company, a company, a realtor company that does trainings on how to make money with property at the time. So it's like 2008 uh, slash 2009, around just after the big boom of the recession collapse. So people are in rebuild right now. So this still, still this thing still sells. They. Um, I started my company, my first company in the middle of a fucking recession, because that was smart, uh, which is brilliant. But anyway, I digress. What ended up happening was they paid me 3,000 pounds at the time, which is a lot of money to me. And um, they said that you get, I think it was like 3% of the first week's take, whatever we bring in, that's, that's your payment. I was like, okay, cool. So while doing door-to-door sales, working like 14-hour days, knocking on doors, doing the paperwork, getting home, in between time, writing copy on my phone, writing copy on notepads, writing copy on my old Windows computer, basically constantly trying to get this thing going for them while doing this other thing. Now, with door-to-door selling, I was on commission only. So you have a bad day, you're not going to eat. I unfortunately had three months of bad days where I made zero sales, three fucking months. It was terrible because I kept going to the field where my mindset wasn't right and I was nervous and I didn't like what I was doing. So it sucked. Obviously, if you don't like something, you're not really going to be into it. So fast forward to the whole thing where um, I mailed this thing in. So up until then, I'd written a few promotions for like 500 bucks, 1,000. Like the most I'd made was 1,000 bucks for a full funnel, like front end to end to end full funnel. And usually be able, I used to be able to knock those out in about uh, two days. The problem was um, I was dyslexic and I was undiagnosed as dyslexic. So a lot of my copy came through, had like a lot of misprints. Thankfully, my clients were really nice to be like, hey, this has got misprints. We'll fix it. Don't worry about it. You're just a good kid. Cool. Um, they were a lot more forgiving back then. Like today, I don't think anyone's going to be that forgiving. But back then, they were very forgiving. Um, and then finally, and I got some advice from John Martini, which is write your copy out like you speak it, which is how I used to write my copy. And finally, I mailed that letter, mailed it in for this estate company that was doing a 15,000 pound a year training. So it's like 15 grand to actually be part of their training. Um, and the absolute best thing happened. Like I remember I was being, I was in the middle of, I was in the middle of uh, knocking on doors. I was in the field doing my job and I owed the bank a lot of money. I owed the bank like three grand. That's a lot of money back then. I'm getting phone calls. When can you pay this? When can you pay this? When can you pay this? Like guys, I'm working right now. Commission only. I'm trying to get things done. Please be patient. Like, fine. A little bit later, I get another phone call. I'm like, fuck, is it the bank again? Hello? They're like, is this Mr. Marcy? I'm like, yeah, it's Adel. What can I do for you? They're like, confirm, give my day, like, you know, sort everything out. And they're like, please hold for a moment. So while they're holding, I'm getting a phone call from my client. And I'm like, I reject the call because I'm on another line. So he sends me a text message, which I can read very quickly. Text message goes, has the bank called you? 
um, if they have, they're going to quote this company name. I'm not going to say the company name because it's under NDA. Um, but this company name has depo deposited some money in your account. I'm not going to tell you how much. I just want you to call me as soon as you get told. I want to hear your voice. Like, okay. So I go back on the line. You know, I'm just reading this thing. Go back on like, hello, yeah, it's Mr. Marshley. Like, cool, just confirming. Do you know like previous transactions, whatever it is? Do you know this? How much do you pay for this? So it's your account, great. Uh, do you know this person? I'm like, yeah, is it this company? Yeah, they're a client of mine. Why? Like, okay, just letting you know they deposited 80,000 pounds in your bank account today. I was 19 years old. <laughs> yeah, so first weeks of taking, just so you guys are aware, was 3.5 million pounds in the first week of that letter going out that I mailed for them. Um, I would love to say that I spent that money on cars, hookers, and blow. I did none of the above. I actually went ahead and paid off a lot of other people's debts, my family and my friends, and just loaned the money out. Never got any of it back, but at the time, it was just like a good thing for me to do. Like, I didn't feel comfortable with that much money with me. Um, so in the end, you know, fast forward from there till now, I've just constantly been writing. Like I write sales copy almost daily. Uh, I remember I got an internship that really helped me out where the practice was I had to write one sales letter a day, one full sales letter a day, which I cannot tell you how tough that is on top of all the other stuff I had to do. Um, around the same time, I, was, I started a stand-up comedy career as well, and I started doing well with that, and I was still fighting as well. So there was like a myriad of things I had as options. Uh, I eventually got injured, so I couldn't compete anymore. Um, stand-up comedy, I think I, I retired from fighting when I was 24. Uh, entirely, I hadn't fought for years, and I was like, I'm just done with this. Um, I don't want to hurt myself anymore. Copywriting was doing pretty well by that point. And stand-up comedy I actually stopped doing after my engagement fell through when I was 23. I did my last show and I kind of was like, I'm done with this for now. Um, but since then, I've you know I've been going back on and off trying to work out new material and get back on stage again because it's a lot of fun to do. I enjoy that. So that's me catching you guys up on my origin and who I am. Absolutely amazing and captivating. Um, ordinarily, I, I jump in and, and prompt and nudge guests, but uh, it's, it's kind of like you've done that before. And uh, as I said, it was absolutely captivating. Um, just everything from uh, just imagining a, a mattress with a ginormous bulge back in Tanzania with all the money, all the family money stacked underneath it, all oh the money you God. left behind. I um, wish I wish it was like that. It was all in like companies and shit because like the family owned a lot of petroleum stations and like shops and small businesses like because it's generational wealth. So they had it. We just kind of like walked into it. And like, oh, cool. That's it. But uh, that, that's absolutely phenomenal. And, so, and, to, and to confirm as well, the injury was from fighting, not from stand up comedy, right? You weren't like yeah, injured no, on stage I, by a heckler or something oh, like God, that. No, right? no, no, I, I uh, I, one of my friends, Justin, so if you ever listen to this, Justin, I forgive you, you're still a really good dude. He threw me into the corner when I was 16, so I weighed, give you guys an idea, I weighed 135 pounds at the time, so I'm six foot tall, I weighed 135 pounds, which is like 61 kilos or nine stone for my UK friends. Like, I was very light, and Justin mm. was like very strong and around 16, he was, he was like a lot heavier than I was, he was like 200 plus pounds, uh, around 16 uh, stone or so. He picked me up and threw me into a corner one day. I hit my lower back, and that's how I injured my back. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that I've left out in all of this that I just don't really go into because it's not prevalent. But yeah, there's there's been some fun adventures there. 
But it's phenomenal. And like you said, the going back to um, your your younger years, age four, um, the, the 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 magic years, five to seven, where you were really consuming. I mean, QVC, for example. I've I've had guests on this show where they talk about how actually um, they owe a lot of their success to to watching QVC and just binge watching the. Um, the just the, the the shopping channels where where yep. they've got something for sale and there's that scarcity element and they they go from the different angles and then they get a guest in to come and talk about it a little bit more and then there's just this many left or there's just this much time left and yep. it's it, you know it's it's pressure selling and um, just consuming that you're going to pick up things and then writing writing the, the the stories every day on the bus and so I I missed I missed. Um, what you said? Did you say that the stories you were writing on the bus for your dad, your dad was turning into ad copy? Yeah, yeah. He was using that to mail out. So he was using that. To, I wrote both most of that ads for about four years when I was uh, between twelve and sixteen. On top of that, by the way, in that same time, this is a fun little tidbit about my life that I don't really share as much, but it's, it kind of makes prevalence to how and why my brain thinks the way it does and how I can come up with copy on the fly. Was at that time, uh, hip hop and rap battles were like a mainstay for me. Like it was a thing. I did not sound like this, by the way, when I was younger. I had a very different voice. It was more. It sounded different entirely. But I used to love. Uh, I used to love battle rap. So me and my friends used to battle rap. That was the way that we got all our ideas in, and how we used to like make fun of each other. So there was that kind of area of being able to think on your feet that really helped me down the line. Phenomenal. Like, so, so Eighth Mile, for example, would have been a, 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 a prominent film yeah. in your childhood. Yeah. So, yeah. so what we do when we've got a specialist um, guest, we don't, we don't waste any time uh, beating around the bush. Instead, we get into that uh, weedy bush. But just before we do, um, what are you doing like, right now? What is, what is your main thing right now that, that you know, puts bread and butter on the table? I was trying to think of just something food on more the table, colorful. Just like, food? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll go with food. Steak. Steak and Steak on the table. Steak, steak and on your table. Yeah. Steak yeah. Uh, so for me, I write copy still. Um, but the way I've done it is I've started to train a few junior writers to take over my mainstay work. So I work with some clients one-on-one. So I do all my consultations. So the way that I consult people is um, they're a little bit different. So I don't do the whole thing where I, I tell you what to do and leave you to it. I give you the exact thing that you need to do, tell you to transcribe it, edit it, and then I review it before you mail it out. Um, so we have that there, which is fun, but my high end stuff and my clients hire me to work. They usually end up working with one of my junior writers and I oversee and overlook the entire thing. So it's more creative direction now than there's copywriting outside of that. I have a couple of products that are out there on how to teach, you know, teaching, how to write copy and how to write email sequences and all the other fun stuff. And yeah, speaking, doing podcasts, speaking, uh, having fun. I've got a new book coming up. Hopefully by the end of the year, if I can finish it off, because I'm being really, really lazy about it. And yeah, that's basically it. Those are the things I do just to earn money really more than anything. Sounds good. Sounds good. I, li- I like that you've got the, the, the fun stuff baked in there, which is so important. Guys listening, like try and bake in the fun to the work, because yeah. I'm sure most of the people here are sort of alpha type work 28 hour days if you can figure oh, that one I know out that. I, I i know i it's not like i don't do that at all damn it <laughs> sleep for i sleep four or five hours a night not on not even on uh by not even on uh purpose I, if i sleep more than six hours i actually cranky like oh. I, if i sleep seven hours that means there's something wrong with me if i sleep more than eight there's like i needed that rest but average is four to six Wow, that's that's pretty cool. Carved out an, an extra couple of hours every day. That's, that's going to give you an edge. Stuff? 
I was going to say, uh, one of the other things I didn't really touch upon was I was a cook. So I learned how to cook between 14 to 17. And that was a huge benefit for me because um, one of the things I love doing as a relaxer, by the way, is cooking. It's how I come up with mm. a lot of the copywriting ideas while I'm cooking. Amazing. Same here. Fellow foodie here and cook yeah. here. So definitely. We don't have to cook together. Please. Yeah. We have to cook together. Let's dine. I'll be your sous chef. I don't know why I developed a lisp for that, but uh, I have no idea, but we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah, we'll just do that. Um, okay. So, <laughs> right. Um, we promised, I promised in the intro that we're going to get into it a little bit in, into the weeds. I'm really, really excited uh, to do so. And so before I just hit you, pow, pow, pow with questions. Yes. Yeah, I was hoping that'd be the case. Yeah. Just add that in. Yeah. Um, what, when we're talking physical products world, okay, we've got a lot of listeners in the in the e-commerce space selling selling physical products rather than information. What either you can you can take this how you want. What common errors do you see, or what quick win opportunities do you often? Let's go with both. Note that they've missed. All right, similar so questions. We're, we're going to go with the same. Well, almost. There's things that you can do that you don't do as well. So first thing, this is I'm going to give this more for the possibly obscure people that sell information products that do coaching and that kind of stuff as well as e-com. So we're going to go all over the shop here. Sweet. The biggest common mistakes I see is number one, people still use the word learn, L-E-A-R-N. Get rid of that fucking word. It's a dumb word. You don't ever want in your advertising ever, unless you're referring to yourself. I learned this. This is a lesson I learned. That's fine. But you're selling to other entrepreneurs and other business people, the people that really kind of excel uh, other areas. The mass majority of people actually don't like school, by the way. They never enjoyed school. It was a shit show for them. Either they were really popular and kind of resent the fact that they hit their peak in uh, at school, or they were like me, and I assume you might have been as well, where you know school wasn't the best time for us because it felt like it killed off our creativity. And then you have the kids in the middle that really didn't enjoy it anyway because they were like, I don't really fit into anyone. I don't know what to do because I'm a fucking, you know, I'm a child. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah, it's yeah. an enigma of a time. Um, so because of that, don't use the word. It associates it to pain subconsciously. If you've ever read a sales letter or read something that's so compelling for you to buy, and then you're like, ah, I'll get to this later. I don't know why I want to put my money down now. Those sound like valid reasons, but they're really excuses because you could buy that today and the money will come in like in three days and that's fine, but you won't. And the reason you won't is because that person's used the word learn. Your brain is associating it to pain. With pain, they're going to pump the brakes and not do the work. That's number one. The other is people pussyfoot around the clothes, like so much. They don't tell you what to do. Look, my whole basis of writing sales letters is about multiple things. One is story and entertainment. The other is instilling direct response principles. But the most important is removing as much fear as humanly possible from buying something from you. Think about it this way. They don't know who the fuck you are. They don't know what, they, what you do. They don't really know you. They can't have a beer with you. They can't have a drink with you. They can't like, see you and hang out with you on a day-to-day -day basis. What they have is a, a level, an umpteenth amount of your energy and attention of who you are to convince them as their whole being to make a decision. So why not remove as much fear as possible? Like one of my favorite clothes is, and this is a clothes that I am best known for. It's one I invented. It has, so you guys have like use of it as much as you want. And I'll break down the psychology of it later on. But it's quite simply, if it was an e-com product, say it was your, uh, what's it called? What's the, what was it? New Brew? Think New, New Brew. Brew. So let's just say Nubru, for instance, the, the close to that would be quite simple. So here's what you do next. Click the order button. Once you're taken to a secure checkout page, all you have to do is enter your regular details and complete the amount uh, and choose the amount 
the, the amount of supplements that you want us to send you and complete your investment. Once you've done so, you'll be sent an email with your invoice as well as tracking numbers and shipping and when to expect the delivery to be made. On top of that, I'll send you a couple of emails over the next couple of weeks to really let you know how to get the most out of Newbrew. That is a close. The reason that's a close, there is no fear. You click the button, you know what's coming. You know once you order what's coming next. You know that there's going to be, follow -up, uh, there's going to be a follow-up sequence of emails that come in. So if they don't come in, you're going to check your spam folder. If they don't come in, you're going to ask the person. If they come in and you never knew they were coming in, you're going to be like, what the fuck is he trying to sell me now? <laughs> it's a complete reframe of the thinking. Like, th that's what you're doing. You're taking something around and moving it away. So this could work with e-com. I, I bought Jorasize. I don't know if you know what Jorasize is. No. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's fucking follow. Like, I am such an asshole for this. And I mean <laughs> this with love, obviously. Um, I buy way too many products online and I didn't even realize I get sold to like the best salespeople in the world are the easiest people to sell shit to. Uh, so this is going to get personal and slightly funny. So I bought the uh, manscaper. Like I bought that cause I thought the ad was brilliant. I was like, you guys won me over with the ad. I've got to give you money. Like yeah, that's where they're like shaving coconuts and um, yeah, tapping balloons with the, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a great fucking ad. It was so funny. I enjoyed it though. Granted, I wish I'd waited so I could have got the 3.0. I got the 2.0, but that's on me. Um, <laughs> and then there's also jaw size. Jaw size has followed me around for six months. It's basically like this little pressure thing that you put in your mouth and like, it works out your jaw. Like it huh? works out your jaw muscle. It's kind of incredible. I was like, okay, I don't know what this is going to develop. But I'm actually really interested because I know how the human breath is slightly altered right now. So uh, yeah, I'm going to totally use this. And there's stuff like massage guns and whatever it is. And the reason I buy this stuff is a lot of these companies, unfortunately, still kind of fail on the point of removing fear of buying. Like there are times I go to the checkout page and I'm like, this checkout page looks janky as fuck. I don't know if it's actually going to work out. So I'm like, you know what? Worst case, I'll put up my credit card, get it out there. If it's a screw over, I can claw back the transaction, which I yeah. don't want to do. Like 10 out of 10 times, I've always received my products I've asked for, never really had to do a clawback, but I still have that innate fear. Mm -hmm. Now, your customers are not always going to have that same level of trust. And like, ah, screw it, I can do this. Some of them are going to be like, ah, this is janky, I'm going to leave. So design-wise, that's another thing. Make sure that by telling them what's going to come next, you remove the idea and the elements of like, this is a janky-ass website design. In fact, go as far as saying that in your copy by going, click the order button, you'll be taken to our janky-ass uh, order form. I'm sorry, it looks kind of terrible, but we're using this company right now. We're building it up, and then you finish your close. Because all a sales letter is is a conversation. It is a conversation with them having it with you. Now, if you're selling products, you're like, how do I do products and make this shit work that way? Well, make up a story about the product. Come up with why the product exists. Why does it exist? Like, to what reason? Why did you do this? Like you could be selling, uh, give me something completely random that's everyday selling. Um, we can even use something, uh, it doesn't have to be one of the examples that we discussed earlier because I want to do those a little bit more in depth later on. But give me something that's, or even your friends thing. I don't care what it is. It could be anything. Sure. Yeah. Let's, let's, um, I'll hit you with the, so it's, so it's a bracelet. It's a, it's a bracelet designed, uh, it's men, it's got little skulls on it. It's not like a badass thing. It's just kind of meant to be suave, sophisticated. I have no fucking clue why people buy things like this. Okay, so we buy it because status and ideas and also because of tribalism. So just to give you a deeper level of psychology to this, the reason why we buy whatever it is that we buy, it's usually because we're trying to match up to the tribe that we associate with. So we're either trying to attract someone within that same tribe or we're dressing up like someone else's tribe to attract them in. 
or because we just relate to that tribe and that's what we're doing. So it's all about tribal mentality in that sense. And I've used that word so many fucking times. You're probably not going to, you're probably not going to hear me use the word tribe after that last use uh, for the rest of this interview. Or if I do, I'll try and keep it short. So that's why they buy. But stuff like that bracelet, I, the way that I'd write the copy, if I was sitting down to write the e-com copy, and by the way, if you're the person that runs the e-com thing, ask yourself this, hire a copywriter, to get them to ask you these questions. And the question would be, why? Why this thing? If your friend's like, well, I'm going to make up the answers. Let's just say your friend said, I really liked it because it looked really cute and really nice. And I wanted to sell it because I knew it would make a lot of money. That's the only motivation, money and it looked good. Yeah, I'd want to dive down deeper here. Okay, who's someone that you saw that wears that bracelet? You thought that dude looks cool. Oh, it was Johnny Depp. Okay, so why Johnny Depp? And I'd start asking questions, really unraveling why. And then when it came down to writing the sales letter, I'd write something along the lines of, uh, if I was writing an old school direct response letter, of course, I'd have a headline that's very traditional, but because it's e-com, it's slightly different. Um, you just have the product description. And it could be something along the lines of turn heads as you walk, uh, turn heads as you walk by and show your right wrist. Or just by stroking your chin, you can immediately turn heads. Introducing the leather band to 3000 or whatever. Inspired by Johnny Depp. Because that's allowed. You're allowed to say it was inspired by Johnny Depp. You can just say, I remember watching the Sauvage um, ad and Johnny Depp looks absolutely amazing. And that made me realize that I really wanted to create something like this. Now I went online, I went through everywhere, tried to look for these on stores, but nowhere could either give me the same genuine level of leather that I needed without breaking the bank, or there was nothing that was on the lower end that even did anything like it. So in the end, I pulled my resources, pulled my money, got into business and looked at what I could do to source really good high quality leather into a design that I knew would work and turn heads. So it's a mix between suave, sophisticated, and rebellious all into one. And imagine it's an all-round wearer. You can wear it with your day-to-day -day clothes. You can wear it with your suits, your whatever it is that you want. This is a perfect alternative to having a very smart watch. This is, what, uh, uh, this is exactly what attracts people to turn their head in any way, shape, or form. And then I go into product detail. This is sourced by the best leather ever. This is designed this way. We make sure that each one is imprinted this way. It's sent out at this time. So give product details at that point. And then I'd say, here's a testimonial. People have actually bought this before. And then I'd ask for the order and whatever the guarantee is. Um, but that's just like a very shortened version of how I would do something like that. But do you see the elements that are there? They're stories that you're giving the reason to why this exists. There's already like, you don't need, like most people don't bother giving a story to why they're selling something. They kind of just go with, this is what it is, this is what it does, buy it, I'm cheaper than everyone else, or I'm more expensive than everyone else, or I'm in the mid-tier. And they never fucking expand on why it exists. Like, why do you want this? It's the same thing I tell people when they're running like, their own personal brands. If you're a coach, coaches are coaches are coaches. Like, you can be a coach for anything. Like, in my opinion, you really can. I think it's bullshit at times, but fair enough. Here's what separates you, because that's the, that whole USP, your unique selling proposition or mechanism, whatever the fuck it is, that's your story. You got to figure out to why you do something. When you know why you do something, your audience now understands why you do it, and they're more likely to buy from you. If you don't do that, people are likely to think you're an idiot, and you're just trying to sell things to them. Or they'll buy from you, but it'll be very hit and miss. So if you're doing something like, say, sorry, I'm just kind of like going off on this. So... The other flip side is things that I, you know, that people do fairly well. Actually, no, that's not a point. It's things I wish people would do more often would be tell more stories, get more creative with the advertising, and don't be like everyone else. 
please, for the love of goodness, just find something that's unique about you and put it out there. Also, people buy more from brands in the sense of who the personal brand is and who it's owned by than just a company. It's one of the reasons why whenever you do a podcast, just like you'll realize with Martin in a second, we have almost a 70-30 or a 60-40 split in speaking because it's his company, his brand, and he's bringing me on. So while I'm doing the majority of the talking at the moment, he's going to be taking over at some point um, and handling it. And that's all to do with branding and understanding how advertising works because he's there building his brand. I'm building my brand right there. I, I, I love that. I love that. I love that you just handed back the mic or the hot potato, whichever, whichever way you um, want to see it. So, um, the fluffy ball, because you guys can't see, but you guys can't see this, but like, if you can hear this, he's stroking just, his ball right now, I am stroking my, uh, I use, it's a dead cat, but I usually call it my Russian hat for my mic. Yes. It Russian hat for your, hat. for your Yeti, your Yeti's Russian my hat. Yeti's mat, mic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, that was really, really good. I really, really enjoyed the the, the Johnny Depp um, story and the and the turn heads by raising raising your hand, and, and, and that's that's a really, really simple and and easy to grasp concept. What, in your opinion, what is the what are the most important? So, if there's multiple, it's R. If there's one, it's is. I've teed you up for both of them. What is R the most important elements of an advertorial in this world where we have seconds eye blink time thumb scroll time to to capture the attention of our of our prospect of our, of our potential customer what's what's most important where do you spend most of your your time and energy the headline the headline the headline is the best thing like in the whole wide world if it's an editorial that's slightly different so you want to make your title for your editorial very eye catchy and you can use a very old school direct response trick here uh so i have three go-tos for headlines and i would say they work with subheadlines as well, but don't use the same one, like one after the other. Switch them up a little bit. So they are discover, revealed, or uncover, or finally, there's like multiples, or an if-then. So I've given you five there. Discover, uncover, reveal, uh, finally, and if-then. So you can... John? Well, so, so I suspect it was going to be the headline. You've given the old, the old school kind of starts. Can you can you get, can you pad out those those um, those headlines for me? So I was going to give you guys an example, just as an example Perfect. for. Uh, let's just go back to your friend's bracelet thingy because it's easy to do, or even a nutritional supplement will do both. So if I was reading an advertorial and it said something along the lines of, um, I wouldn't use any of those for this, or maybe an if then. So I would use something like. I'd even use an imagine for this. Imagine walking through. Oh, what was it called? I was never looked at more than once when I was a kid, but when I sat down at that Starbucks and put my hand on the table, women started to swoon. That's a great opening headline. And then you just go into like how this bracelet really changed your life. I mean, you can have that out there. You can just say, if you've ever uh, like discover how I've turned my, uh, discover how I've increased my attraction, my ability and my confidence. And most of all, my uh, what was it called not my availability but like when someone's attracted to you oh my god what is the not attractiveness because we use that it, it's a different word i can't remember it right now off the top of my head but something along those lines that other people are attracted to you um in literally moments by making this one simple purchase and then you go into the opening paragraph and the opening paragraph will be something along the lines of i remember sitting there wondering holy crap this is working an actual product that delivers on its promise 
that I thought was hyped up as hell. In fact, if you're reading the headline, you probably have the same thought process I do. But I'm going to tell you right now, this bracelet has unlocked so much more for me than I'd ever thought possible. And you might be sitting there wondering, that's bullshit. And I can tell you I was in, those same, I was in that same place. But in a moment, let me explain how and why this works. Before we get into that, let me introduce myself. Hi, my name is Colin James. Uh, this is what I do. I'm the founder of this company. And it was the first time I wore this bracelet when I went out and I realized that I turned heads. And the reason that I knew that I turned heads is prior to that, I started looking at different ways to really improve my confidence. And the first one I ever got told was change the way that you dress, be more confident. And of course, my idol and my hero growing up was, jo uh, was Johnny Depp. I thought he looked really, really good and everyone liked him. So I started to model my fashion after him. The problem was Johnny's clothes and Johnny's accessories cost hundreds and thousands of dollars that I did not have to my disposal. And anywhere that was a cheap imitation was unfortunately just that, a cheap imitation. So I started to source all my resources, my friends. I put some money and time and effort in until I created the very first prototype of this bracelet. And I remember dressing up really well, going out. I had my sleeves rolled up, my arm. Then I sat down, put my hands on the table, lifted them up. And within minutes, I had some people start looking at me. I had a couple of women come over and say hello to me. And immediately, I felt a sense of rising in my confidence from that. And then I'd make the transition to be like, all the way throughout, I'd put links towards the, the thing. I wouldn't have a definite call to action till the very end. The call to action would be like, if you, so what I did was I mass produced the, I started creating these and started uh, producing them. Right now, I have a limited number in stock. Click here to find out if you can get this bracelet as well. I'm not promising that you'll have the exact same results, but I am saying that you will feel a ton better, especially if this is something that you want. Amazing. Tingles. Adele, uh, tingles, right? Tingle and sweat patches, but tingles mainly. Mostly sweat patches. For me, it's sweat patches because it's hot as balls. It's, it's really hot. It's hotter than England can handle uh, over the last few days. It is. And, and, you know, out of respect on a podcast, you shut all the windows, you, you turn off the air conditioning, you, you make it as quiet as possible so that you, the listeners, feel the velvety sounds in your ears and, and none of the street noises. But we are slowly dying like a sad ice lolly on the beach that's been abandoned going, by a little girl i i like that i was going to go with more like a deflating balloon there we go that's the there other one go. i like to use but going back to the other example because i did say i'd give you two um so if you're using an advertorial say for, for instance selling nutritional products or if you're a coach trying to sell your stuff and you're using an advertorial um almost similar elements so i'm going to break down the elemental chart of this a little bit more so you guys can see where i went and when you listen back to it like go back like four minutes and listen to it again after making notes of this. So what I do is I give it a promising headline. I follow it with an even more inclusive sub-headline that really draws you in. And the immediate first opening paragraph goes into a small part of the story that really lives, leaves a big open loop. Then I introduce myself, give you the idea to why, and then I begin closing that loop with the results I've gotten, and then finally asking you to go check it out if you are the right type of person for it. With this kind of thing, yes, I'm not as direct as I want to be because it's an advertorial you don't want to sell too hard because you might get banned with different networks. But it's a great segue. It's, it's strong enough to get people to go buy if they're interested. Docile enough that it won't trigger anything from um, Facebook ads or anything like that or any other companies. If I was using this for, say, coaching, uh, I'd go full-on sales life. But if I was using an advertorial, it would be something along the lines of, 
Um, what do Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, and yourself all have in common? When they started out, they didn't have a coach. That's basically a starting point. And then I go into the whole story of like, if you've ever wondered how you can take yourself to the next elite level in the shortest, quickest space of time, and you fit the criteria, then we may need to have a word. And then I go into the opening paragraph where I just say, most of my clients that come to me, come to me with one of three reasons, or one of three things, A, B, or C. And I can help you solve C. A and B, if you, if you live in A and B, sorry, that is go find someone else that'll work with you. I only work with this type of person. But before I get into more of an idea, if you're reading this, of how I can help you, let me introduce myself so you know why I'm the right fit for you. And then I'd give them the introduction, what my story is, why I do what I do, what goes on. So the elements here are you start with a big headline that's promising and capturing, a subheadline that follows through, an opening paragraph that leaves a huge open loop for you. Then you fill it in with all the other conversational pieces that they need. Because the way I think of this is if you're a girl or a guy in a bar somewhere, and I walked up to you and started talking to you anyway, what is the, how long is it going to take your brain to go, what the fuck do you want and what is your name? No long. Almost, almost seconds. Yeah. You're going to be like, it's one of the first thoughts that you have. The problem is a lot of people answer the what the fuck you want right away, but they never speak about the name. They don't talk about that story. So they either do the thing where they talk about who you are at the end, or they start off with like, dear friend, my name is Gary Halbert and I am the blah, 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 blah. And that's, in my opinion, not wrong, but not effective. What's effective mm. is I've given you a big reason to for you to read this. Now I'm going to open you up to an open loop of a big promise. But you don't want, you want to know the end of that promise, but you're now more curious about who the fuck are you? So I want to satiate that who the fuck are you with you, give you that kind of conversation, and then transition to what I have for you, which is closing that loop. Usually in my sales, let's say I also give like a little bit of a lesson where I can to really get someone to have a result in advance or to even think differently before they buy. I think that's amazing. And copy is so important. And a lot of people jump straight to copywriter, advertorial, sales letter funnel. But actually, a lot of, I mean, certainly a lot of what we're doing at the moment um, with Newbrook, we have like four different videographers right now and a, and a whole creative team putting together various different stuff because we recognize that um, creative, and I'm talking ads here, particularly video ads, get tired quickly at high volume when you're, yeah. when, you're, when you're driving a lot of impressions. And so we're looking at a lot of things. And so I'm curious, have you ever studied social media video ads and can you add any kind of uh, insight into the formula that works for those? Ooh. Yeah, we'll, we, we'll talk less about what doesn't work, might be less important, just more both. what works. You can do both. I'm, I'm happy to do both. Because earlier I said I'd do something about what works and then I think we skipped it, which is fine. I mean, like we kind of covered that in that moment anyway, just do the opposite of what doesn't work really. Um, but in this case, we'll do both. But before we jump into that, what I will say when it comes down to uh, video creative, it's funny. You know the Wall Street letter that everyone likes to say, the, the story of two people? Mm -hmm. You know, the story of two guys, one went to, like, they both grew up almost identical, but one ended up being the CEO of a company and the other one ended up being his employee. The big difference is the guy that became the CEO read the Wall Street Journal every day. Oh, right. Um, it's a classic direct response letter. And I was like, oh my God, it's so successful and amazing. No, it really isn't. It's actually a really shitty letter in all fairness. <laughs> and I say that as someone that's studied this, it only had a 1.18% conversion rate at best. At best, that was a 1.18% conversion rate. The reason it worked so well is because it was ran for longer because it, was, it had a smaller audience initially 
and it could be like farmed out to these bigger audiences over time as the Wall Street letter grew. So they actually had that for a good 20 years, but that's because they could go back and pitch the same letter to the same person, but send different parts of the letter into them because they knew what was going on. So don't, if you've got like a high impression ad, you're going to burn out your creative fairly quickly. So how you keep it fresh is essentially by finding different angles. So the formulaic system that I use more than anything is it's, it's um, I look at it from a video sales letter standpoint. So my buddy, John Benson created a five minute VSL formula, which is incredible. Um, and I can't remember his formula for it, but as far as I remember, it's essentially you start with a big promise and then you kind of explain that promise, you leave open loops and then eventually get them to buy, show them how to buy and why it's important. It's all in about five minutes. It's a very, very quick video. Um, what I usually do, if it's longer than that, like say seven or eight minutes, that's fine. I take the one minute clip opening and use that as my social media video and run ads to it because it's, it's, it's a hooking engagement video. That's one way of doing it. The other way that you can do this is a formulate process. If it's just a social ad, let's just say it's for Nubru. Um, the first thing I would do is just get someone that you're interviewing, like make it really cinemat cinematic as a video, like you at a side angle being like interviewed um, or you interviewing someone and be like, yeah, so Nubru is just amazing. Or you talking with someone else about Nubru and why it's an incredible product. It's like, yeah, Nubru is brilliant. It comes with all these different things. And I think it's actually brilliant. This is how I stumbled a a across it. And you're talking to someone about it, but they don't see who the other person is. They just see you talking in a single direction. That right there is a perfect creative point to start off a conversation. So when they click the link to find out more, it continues that conversation from you going to a side, you being in front of the camera going, so here's why you're here for New Brew and all the other fun stuff that's there. When I created this, it was for these reasons, and then you escalate in. But from that first video, that social media video, that's just one idea. Another one is having your testimonials put in. You can pull in a testimonial and have them as the video ad. That's another way of doing it. That doesn't burn out. That doesn't burn out quick because people actually know the video. Uh, showing and demonstrating your products. If it's a fit, if it's a fitness product like P ninety P ninety X, show different snippets like one minute workouts people can use at home. In fact, you can even do what BuzzFeed likes to do and Tasty likes to do with their with their cooking recipes. Is they have zero voice and they kind of speed through the ingredients you need and show you how to mix it together very quickly and show you how it's done. Based on four minutes, you've got a fully made cake or a steak or something, it's very simple to do. You can do that in a one minute exercise. The way that you do that is quite simply, no voice, just all music. And all it is is just, uh, you just come up with words on screen that says, uh, one minute workout to get you in shape. And then you demonstrate that one minute workout by going uh, 10 sets, not even one minute, but it's like a 10 minute workout in one minute. It's like 10 sets of sit-ups, 10 sets of like, oh, sorry, 10 reps of sit-ups with, uh, with three sets. Same with squats, same with push-ups, and this is how you do each one. And you have three separate videos showing you push-ups, sit-ups, and squats as three different videos that run all at the same time. And now you're giving your audience something different to look at, something else to in interact with, and something they can buy from because they're seeing and demonstrating it, especially in e-com. Uh, if you're a coach, if you're a digital business owner, if you have an info product, another way of doing this, again, is direct cam having a conversation of your VSL and then having them click off, complete that VSL. If you're doing a quiz, um, or something along those lines, talk about the quiz in the, in the video and then tell them, Hey, click the link to go check out this quiz or go above or below. I've just put the link there. Go check out this quiz, fill out, find out which villain you are on Buzzfeed. Who knows? <laughs> Whatever it is that you want to get people to do, get them to do it that way because it's engaging. It's short, it's to the point and it's powerful. Your VSL when it gets to the other side or your letter on the other side has to mirror that in the sense of it has to continue. It has to be a continuation of that conversation on that page. 
So with new brew, if you're talking about the mental health side of things or what's going on, it's specific for older people that that's who you're running your ads to. Don't send them generically to the homepage. Send them to the one that's gener- that is written for them. You're older. Your brain's going a little bit more. You can even just say, for the old generation, I'd say for you sitting from the camera and just really sit down, not stand up, sit down, lean in a little bit, nice, comfortable chair downstairs with your family, whatever it is, camera right in front of you and be like, hey, so one of the reasons I invented New Brew was, um, by the way, do you have grandparents as well, Martin? Uh, I was like, uh, no, um, it's been a, it's been a tragic couple of years, um, ah, for my, the, my uh, percentage wise, my grandparents have, uh, uh, reduced. So, um, I'm trying to think old people, but then my parents are getting up there. I, I hope they don't listen. My dad actually told me that we're coming up to the hundredth episode. I'm like, have you ever listened? He said, Neh. so there's a good chance he hasn't come across this, but they're getting up there. They're getting up there. I was, uh, they, they were old when they had me. Oh, awesome. But I was going to say, with that being said, uh, Parents are perfect because if they get an update, you can just say new brew. Like if they take new brew, which I hope they do, or find someone that does take they new do. brew that's, that's yeah. older, actually sit down with them and actually either get them to do the ad for you by reading a script. It's like, hi, I'm Martin's mum, or I'm Martin, Martin <laughs> Cook's dad, or whatever it is, like so-and-so cook. Um, and I thought my son was crazy. When he first came to me with this, with this drink, I thought it was not going to help me out. And honestly, it's, and then they just give the results. Like, I feel so much happier. I feel more focused. My brain's working more functionally. I feel like I've turned back the clock on my mind a little bit. So I'm feeling more sharper than usual. And if you feel like your brain is starting to slow down just a little bit, I definitely recommend checking out Nubru. Yes, he is my son, but that is also the same reason that I would be the first one to call him out if it didn't work. I'm fully endorsing him just simply because he's gone ahead and done the work. He's done the graft and he's made sure that he's brought your brilliant product on top of that. I think he has an amazing guarantee, but definitely click the link, go to his website and see if it fits for you. What you're doing is you're targeting an older generation and you've essentially hit everything they're thinking of anyway, because the first objection they'll have is this is their parents. They're biased, but by your parents going, no, we'd be the first one to call them out on that. That immediately puts you into a position of power. I love that. And that, that's so um, beautiful and powerful. So the final thing, it's not the final thing, but you, when you say it's the final thing, it feels like, okay, we're nearly there. <laughs> the, the, the final thing, damn it, I just told you. You emphasized how important the headlines are. And, and you came out with a brilliant, brilliant headline, which is actually longer than, than headlines that, um, that I often see, which, yeah. which was meaningful to me. You pulled that conceivably out of the air yes i pulled everything out of the air today you did you pulled pulled it out of the air and those not watching on camera there are no words in the air quite literally there's a bookshelf (laughs) behind me there is a bookshelf there's a lot of words but fairly far behind me fairly exactly how how can someone that that isn't naturally gifted in coming up with angles for the headlines for creating headlines get into it so that they can start writing better, just imagining better headlines. Study better yeah. headlines. Honestly. So where study. can they go to study? Where can we learn? Uh, okay, so, huh, hate the word learn. But where you can go <laughs> to uncover more stuff like this, uh, I, I read old swipe files, like swipes.co is a great place to go to. I mean, I do have a copywriting course that teaches my system. We're going to get writing. into that. We we'll want to know where that, that is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've got to rewrite the sales letter because honestly, it's complete dog shit in my opinion, but that's because I wrote it under duress. And whenever you're selling for yourself, you end up really, really like 
messing yeah. it up sometimes. It's like if you're a painter, your house is normally shitty. The paint yeah. sucks because everyone else's houses are nice. It's yeah, it's just a yeah, curse, it's, isn't it? Cosman's holiday. Yeah. yeah, Cosman's holiday or co- uh, cobbler shoes, pretty yeah. much as we like to call it. So it's all good. Um, so like one of the best places you can really check out swipe.co. Uh, they have lots of great headlines there. You can look at your competitors. Um, you can look at people in different marketplaces. They're doing really, really well. Uh, look for ads that are running constantly, like the same ad you've seen like 15 times now, like over the last three weeks or the last couple of months, it's everywhere following you online. Guess what? Start studying why that ad works because it means it's making money. It's making money reverse engineer what makes it money. Like that, that's one of the coolest things that you can really do, like break down those elements. And how you start really getting used to like writing almost second naturely is spend time writing. It, that's all it is. Like sit down, get a notepad, use your phone. Honestly, if you have a phone, I, I prefer a notepad, like a classic mm-hmm. old school mini A5 uh, or A6 notepad, like absolutely tiny little things. Yep. And, um, or even, sorry, an A6, which is even smaller. A6, fits, okay. Yeah, just fits in your pocket. Uh, and I keep a pen at all times with me. If I'm out and about and I think of a headline, I just pull out this notepad, write it in, or I put it on my phone, or I record it verbally, or whatever it is. Um, one of my favorite headlines that I remember doing this with that what worked really well for me back eight, nine years ago was um, me walking through Leicester City Center and just kind of like thinking to myself, how do I write this headline? And the headline for one of the products I had at the time was uh, something in the region of, if you can't make $2,000 in the next 30 days, then quit business right now. That was like the headline. And I've not used that headline yet, but I'm going to be repurposing it for my course because I also believe, uh, I use it for my guarantees where I say, look, I have, I have like what I call the fuck you best friend guarantee. Um, <laughs> right. Because it is, it's a challenge, but it's also a best friend challenging you. And uh, to give you guys the idea of my guarantee for one of my trainings is um, if for what, like you have a one-year guarantee, which if for whatever reason over the next 365 days you cannot make back your investment at all, even with my help, then please send me an email to ask for your money back because you clearly need it more than I do. Well, even part is friends, so I won't judge you for it. But definitely, I don't want your money if you need it. That is as simple as I put it. And the psych- psychological factors to that are so incredibly like deep. I've had, I've had like two refunds on that product, by the way, ever. Um, and it's been running for like two or three years now. It's amazing. And so let's, let's talk about your stuff. So where can, where can people who are, have been absolutely captivated over the last hour, this is definitely a longer episode, folks, but it's worth it. Where can people who have been absolutely captivated by your teachings learn more about you, get their, their mitts on stuff that, you, that you're teaching them, uncover yes. more Adil. Just find out more about me. Uh, the best place you guys can find me is adilamarsi.com. So A-D-I-L-A-M-A-R-S-I.com. Link will be in the description, I'm sure. Um, that is just my main page. Honestly, go there. You'll find everything about me. And if you want to find me on any social media, uh, Instagram is your best friend to message me because that's the easiest way to get my attention. Facebook, I think I've topped out my friends list, but follow my Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Adel Marcy. And uh, my YouTube channel, which is Adel Marcy Official uh, on YouTube. So you guys can get a bunch of free stuff from there. If you want to buy any of my programs, we have a welcome email series that's coming out that has launched, but I'm relaunching again in a couple of weeks. 
hopefully by the time the show comes out, and that is welcomesequence101.com. Uh, and that is all about how to use emails and welcome sequences to build up long-term relationships, sell more things, which you should be doing no matter what business you're in. Have a fucking email list, please. It's a guarantee. It's an insulating blanket against the harsh winters and the harsh colder recessions. It's a great way of keeping yourself afloat. The second thing uh, is my training I was talking about, thecopywritersroom.com. If you guys head on over to thecopywritersroom.com, it's, uh, I think it's like a thousand bucks to join. Uh, the program, but essentially what you get is you get access to my training. It's only five hours long, and the reason it's five hours, we do three hours of me breaking down my system of how I write, and then we do two hours of examples. So I do uh, an hour of Q&As with the live people. We had 10 people from 10 different marketplaces. We had coaches. We had uh, therapists. We had like roofing companies. We had security people. Uh, I also had a photographer in there. Like I actually made a photographer cry because I wrote her letter for her and she said that was so beautiful. So that was fun. Um, that's all. And then you get a ton of bonuses as well with it, which is cool, but we were rebranding that. So by the time you see it, it should be a lot better and cleaner as well as smoother. Um, yeah, outside of that, honestly, I'm like one of the easiest people to talk to. Just reach out to me, mention Matt, uh, Martin's name. And I almost called you Matt. Sorry. I just saw the T in my brain went, Oh, there's another. Uh, so message me. Sorry, Martin. Uh, message me, mention his name, and you'll be more than I'll be more than happy to speak to you. Because by the way, this is the other thing that I do, and it's a little fun thing that I would recommend. Actually, do you mind if I give them a really cool strategy to use okay. almost immediately to really okay. separate themselves? Do it. So if you're a six, seven, or even eight-figure business owner, you probably have a lot of people asking you, "Hey, can I pick your brain for some a couple of minutes? Can I get on the call with you? Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I talk to you?" Here's how I actually relimit that. If you have a business where you can coach people. Because <clears throat> there are some people out there that really genuinely do need your coaching and your help. Uh, here's how I do it without doing a product and without giving too much of my time. I realized I can solve most sales problems in 15 minutes or less. The quickest I've done it in is four minutes and 21 seconds, but usually it's 15 minutes. So what I do is I don't do for free. I get people to buy me things from my Amazon wish list or things that I want. And then they get to book in 15 minutes with me. Yours could be 30 minutes. Yours could be an hour because that could be your discovery call time. But you do it for a gift. And the reason you do it for a gift instead of money is people have a hard time parting with cash, but they have no problems parting with a gift. So they'll send you something that's a gift. It's a great way of doing it. And psychologically, they have already bought once. So they're more likely to buy twice and three times and more. So they've actually gone ahead and give you something. You solve their problem. You either now have created an acolyte and a fan that will go tell other people about how great you are, which brings in more business for you, or they'll sign up and pay you and then go do the first thing because that's what they're going to do. But as long as you give that great value, record it, you send it to them, they're happy. And you get the thing that you wanted anyway. And this is a great way to evaluate your time and actually have a high level of customer coming through the front door. Boom. So adilamazi.com, thecopywritersroom.com, swipe.co. There's some of the domains that have been dropped. Um, but really, welcomesecrets101.com. Welcomesecrets101.com. Dot com. I feel like there's a lot more we could talk about. And uh, if we get some, some feedback, I'm going to be pestering you for uh, uh, round two, potentially. I'm, I'm, I'm Just game. really pushing, pushing my lap. But it's a fun time. It's a fun, sweaty time with the you. Fun, it's, it's, it's a while time. since I've got sweaty with an interesting, charismatic, uh, wordy, chatting gentleman. Before. Oh. It's been a while. 
you know, with lockdown oh, and stuff. Second. It used to it used to be a daily thing. So, think, well, what we can do is if we do a second round, I'll come out to you and we'll do it in person. Have we'll it. do it in person. Nice. I'll turn the heat up. Yeah. At this point, <laughs> at this at this point, we we tend to mix it up a little bit and we go into the rapid fire question round. I ask the questions quickly. You can take as long as you want to answer them. Uh, are you up for that? Yep. Let's go. Lightning rounds, bitches. Be two oh, thumbs up. Up for that. There they are. Right. Question one: What superhero would you be and why? Tony Stark, Iron Man, quite simply because I did a bunch of stuff and I looked at it and I spoke to a friend and uh, watching movies, I was like, fuck, I am Tony Stark. And then they were like, who, which superhero do you want to be? I was like, Iron Man, but I'm more like Tony Stark, so of course I'm going to be like him, so it's fine. Nice. Uh, Makes fast. sense. Yeah. It was Deadpool What's... was a close second, though. Deadpool's hilarious. Yeah. But I, 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 get, I get that you would want your face to be flawless as well yeah yes yeah you've kind of got the goatee going on a little bit yeah almost when this is longer i'm well after halloween i'm gonna i'll talk to you afterwards about why i'm growing it out because it's a halloween costume i look forward to it question two what's one thing that people often incorrectly assume about you uh my sexuality which is hilarious i i'm kidding by the way so a lot of people do think i'm actually gay i'm not i'm straight uh which i know i'm sorry to some of the people that are (laughs) upset about that because there are some i've just lost a lot of listeners I just, just right felt then. it, felt just, it, yeah. <laughs> there's been a disturbance in the force. Yeah. All joking aside, for sure, that is something that does get, uh, you'd be surprised how often that comes up as a message from people going like, are you? I'm like, no, I'm straight, sorry, or whatever yeah. it is. It, it comes sorry. up. But the other, th- the other thing that people get wrong about me is, um, oh my God, there's not a lot people get wrong about me because I'm very open about who I am, so... I guess that's so people it. Oh, just you're an open book. People know me. Yeah, people know me that, that he's this kind of person. Uh, oh, that was it. I, this is probably one that a lot of people don't know about me is I'm into alternative medicine. There we go. Hmm. So I follow both Eastern and Western medicines and find the right path for myself. What's your favorite alternative medicine? Oh God, please. Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> probably marijuana. To be fair, um, it's good for when you need it. But right now, I'm taking cleanse off, so I use more CBD stuff. Um, but also stuff like massages, alternate therapy, like massages are my favorite thing in the world. Isolation tanks, cryotherapy, love it all. Yeah. There's not enough cryotherapy in the UK. Have you oh, ever really? done, have you ever done Reiki? Yeah. Love Reiki. What do you think? I, I like Reiki. Reiki. I really love it. It's uh, so last Friday, um, the one that just went by, I don't remember what the date was just over the weekend. It was the first I think it was, Yeah. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Whatever. It's whatever okay. we, this is a, a flawless, was. timeless show. So it was last so Friday, first, week, first weekend of August, I decided yeah. to do a treat yourself day, which is uh, I, went to the, I went to cryotherapy. Then I did my beard, which is why it looks still somewhat in shape. Fabulous. Fine. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and then got a Thai massage because I did not realize in my neighborhood there is a Thai massage lady near the, the train station, uh, which is a 10 minute walk away from me. And most Thai massages aren't superb because once you've had one in thailand they're kind of subpar afterwards this lady trained in the fucking temple and has like a medical understanding of the body there i've never felt more relaxed i'm going in like you have to go in for like uh you go in for four treatments over the month initially and then it's two treatments and then it's like one treatment once every six weeks as long as you're stretching keeping your body in shape and she's like really good at this stuff amazing how do you how do you find a legitimate good thai massage place speak to them i because i because uh, I, I trained and fought in thailand uh in muay thai and i told them what what my experience level was like and they're like oh we can't bullshit him so like they really they, they weren't going to anyway so the way they do it is they're more about the health 
Um, and they don't do, like, when they give you a Thai massage, they will put you in pain, but you'll feel much better afterwards. Uh, and if you ask them to stop, most times they won't. That's how you know you're in a good place, because they're like, this is a knot. We need to work this out. You're going to feel better afterwards. Nice. What is the most pointless subject taught at schools, and what would you replace it with? Oh, pointless subject. It's going to sound really stupid, but it's all the ridiculous versions of maths, like compound maths and all this. I would replace that with um, basic arithmetic and math that you need, and that maths, and then I would change all the Pythagoras theorem and trigonometry and all the other bullshit with that. I would replace that with taxes and understanding how to do your fucking taxes because that is mm. maths and that is deductions and you need to know that shit. It's kind of important, isn't it? Yeah, and and I'd also like replace one of the other subjects with like uh, how to start a business and how to like lease things and you know buy houses and whatever it is. I'd I'd love that like business studies actually. Business studies would be replaced with actual business study. <laughs> yeah, business studies would be replaced with real business study. Yeah, I get that. What's one random act of kindness you've either witnessed or done yourself? Uh, I'll give you both. One random act of kindness I've witnessed is, uh, and it's, it always warms my heart, is when I see people going into shops and especially on really hot days, buying big bottles of water and giving them to homeless people and just like mm. giving it to them just out of the kindness of their heart, which really warms my heart. Uh, the one random act of kindness that I would say that I do is a daily. I, uh, I've done it every day since I was 12, since March 4th, 2003. I've done this every day, which is I like to make one person laugh every day. So that's my random act of kindness. I one, one personal laugh. Laugh. Ah. Yeah. Nice. Every single day. Haven't failed without that at all. So, so what do you do if it's later in the day, you realize that you've had a, an insider day, you haven't really spoken to anyone, do you just hit the streets with knock-knock jokes? Like, what, what do you do? I usually have friends all over the world, so I'll message someone and ask how their day's going, and invariably someone will say something that will make me laugh, and then I'll make it even funnier because my brain just runs on those ridiculousness things. Well, speaking of laughter, is there anywhere online that we can find your stand-up? Uh, no. Thank you. Uh... At the moment. Actually, no, that's a lie. There is one, but I don't have the link because I, it's really badly freaking titled. I need to download it and upload it to my channel, but... Uh, it's one of my first open mics back after like three years away from stand-up. So I'll find that and I'll send it to you and you guys can check it out. Definitely want to. What unusual or underrated food or drink should more people try out? Liver. liver. Chicken liver. Chicken liver specifically from Nando's or like one that you make at home that doesn't have onions. Like just have livers and chicken liver is just really good for you. So is lamb liver. Uh, mutton is another one as well. Barbecued mutton, not like stews because you make it that way, but find an African that's from East Africa and be like, hey, how do you barbecue mutton? We'll give you the full rundown. It's delicious. What's one mistake you made in your life and what did you learn from it? I have so many mistakes. I don't, uh, let's say, big one. Uh, big mistake that I learned don't get engaged very young. I got engaged when I was young um, and that screwed me over, which was fun. Uh, what I learned from it was. Be more patient to get to know someone's full who they are before you make any commitment, like long-term commitment. How do you recommend, so let's take that to, to a business relationship, a new okay. business relationship. How do you recommend doing that? 
So if you're doing a new business relationship, that's slightly different because um, it's transactional. It's not emotional. Like a business partner, like a partner. If, ah, okay. If it's a business partner, then what I tend to do is I look at where my strengths and weaknesses are. If they fulfill, if their weaknesses are the same as mine, that means we need to hire a third person to counteract both our weaknesses because they could be one of my best friends. They're amazing at what they do. They're equally as intelligent and into the same stuff. What that means now is, yeah, we can create a lot of great stuff together, but we don't have anyone to reel us in when we go too off the far deep end uh, or too far off the deep end. So hire someone else in to counteract that balance way. So you have a three-person partnership. Um, and I have that right now with two of my best friends, uh, Byron and AD. Amazing. And what does the first 30 to 60 minutes of your day look like? And what time does it typically start? 6.30 in the morning or 6, depending. Uh, lately over lockdown, it's gone to 7. But the first 30, 60 minutes of my day are now starting to look like uh, I jump on my rebounder almost immediately after I get out of bed, drink down some water, jump on my rebounder for about 20 minutes. Um, or 10 minutes, depending, because a 10-minute workout on a rebounder is the equivalent of a 30-minute run. Then I hop off, put on some heavy-duty clothes, even in this weather, uh, put on a 5-kilo weighted vest and start shadow boxing, followed up by a little bit of weightlifting, shower, get out, gratitude journal, um, and protein shake. So that's basically the first hour of my day. That's done. And then the second hour of my day includes an audiobook. Hmm. Nice. Is that, uh, is that outside with the audiobook typically? or I usually do it while I'm working because uh, I, I start my work almost immediately. If I'm having a, an easy day where I don't have morning meetings and stuff, I'll be outside going for a walk. Or if the weather is lovely, I'll stand on my balcony to just absorb out the sun a little bit. Love that. Where do you go or what do you do to get inspired? I go for walks around the forests or I go to cafes. Um, I also watch a lot of movies. I read a lot of books, I watch a lot of movies, listen to a lot of songs. I consume a crap ton of YouTube videos and media because um, they all add to the arsenal. Um, outside of that as well, if I'm really feeling like I'm not feeling great, looking after myself, massages, cryotherapy, isolation tanks, all bring it all out to me. Or worst case, if you're having a day where nothing's clicking, usually I know this by midday, I just pull the plug on the rest of my day. I, I message everyone that I've got calls with. Guys, I'm not feeling it today. I'll speak to you later. Or if it's something like at nine o'clock at night and it's midday and I don't feel like doing any work that day, I'll take the next six hours off to just relax, do other things, play some video games, read books, do what I need to do, uh, clean my house, play with my cats. And then if I still feel like doing the show, I will. If I don't, I'll message them ahead of time. Like, hey, sorry, I'm not going to do this. But usually I, give them, I give everyone enough warning. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really that's really honest and and respectful. Because I mean, you know, from being a podcast host yourself, what's what's the name of your podcast show, by the way? Oh, it's Adil Amarsi Unplugged, and uh, Martin's going to be on there fairly soon as well. Oh, love it! I accept. It's the first time I've been asked for your show. Um, yeah. yeah, you get a lot of cancellations in in podcasts. You know, t typically if you're if you're interviewing someone that's uh, a busy guy, quote unquote, and, and maybe not quite in control. You, you do you do get cancellations and but that's actually just a brutally honest thing like I, I, I'm not at my best today my my, mm. my my best won't come out on your show it'd be disrespectful or, or it'd be a loss to, to do that hopefully we can reschedule that's a brutally honest way that would work with me folks if, it, if it's true yeah who do you idolize above anyone else and why alive or dead doesn't matter your your question hmm. this is quite hard because uh, I have a lot of people that I look up to 
Um, so aside from religious figures, because there are some religious figures I look up to, uh, probably Muhammad Ali. My Ali was one of the biggest influences in my life. Uh, when he passed, I was lucky enough to speak to one of his daughters prior. We were tweeting at each other, so it was really, really cool. Um, but Ali made a huge dent in my life as a kid growing up, as an adult. Just his philosophy and who he was really changed who I was. Um, outside of that, Malcolm, uh, Malcolm, not Malcolm X, um, what's his face? Robert Greene. Uh, Robert Greene is probably someone that I really look up to as well. Like, I'm really looking forward to interviewing him one day. Um, but his books have had such a profound impact on my life that I, I really enjoy him. Incredible. And Joe Rogan, of course, because Rogan's obviously in, like a huge, he's like someone I look up to. Nice. What book or books do you read or gift the most? Ooh, uh, every Robert Greene book under the sun is the one that I gift the most. So Laws of Human Nature, 48 Laws of Power, 33 Strategies of War, The 50th Law, The Art of Seduction and Mastery. I know I've just reeled them all off there, but there is an order to read them in. For me, the order is 33 Strategies of War, 48 Laws of Power, Art of Seduction, 50th Law, Mastery, Laws of Human Nature. Laws of Human Nature is a big motherfucker, so you're going to be there for a while. Um, and the other ones are, it's a fiction book, actually. It's called The Crucifix Killer by Chris Carter. It's uh, part of the welcome pack that I give all my junior writers that start with me. Um, and it's a great illustration of how to write engaging conversational pieces. And what you learn from there, you can bring into sales copy very, very easily. Fantastic. What silly things should more people do? <clears throat> should people do more of? It's actually the way I wrote the question. Laugh like that. There's no tomorrow. Like people definitely should do more humor. Go out there and put themselves out there and talk about the ridiculous things they think about. Like I think more people need to talk about the ridiculous thought processes they have. And I'd even say because this is becoming ridiculous, uh, let people have a pass on the ridiculous things they say. Sometimes they're, they're not. Not everyone's an asshole about it. Some people are just like, huh, I wonder what would happen if this happened. You know. They're not really meaning they want it to happen. It's just curiosity. So be more curious. Just p play out the hypothetical scenario with them. Yeah. Have some fun with it. For sure. I mean, like, you know, I, I still hypothetically have written my friend's eulogy. Um, <laughs> he's not even dead yet. And I told his wife what his eulogy was. By the way, if you're all cur curious, no matter how he dies, it's because he slept with a prostitute the night before and died of an STD. No matter <laughs> how he dies. No, no matter, matter what the doctors dies. say. No matter how he dies, that's how he's dying. That's what I'm saying is eulogy. Oh, right. So you're actually going to read up and be like, guys, I know it says car crash everywhere, but actually what happened was... The night before he actually hooked up with a prostitute, he, he was remembering her and the car he was talking to her, that's how he died. <laughs> uh, it was on his deathbed, he's 90, I snuck in the prostitute the night before and that's how he died. No matter how he dies, that's how he's dying. Yeah. If you could change... <laughs> so I love that, I was trying to be... So be straight face with the next thing. You, you reminded me, I, I, um, I interviewed a guy named Aaron Crowell, he's an amazing individual, and um, his, his funny pastime and his answer to that question was he leaves reviews like uh, on Google Places for inanimate things that will never have a review, like a, um, like a t uh, what's it called? What's it called? Like a graveyard. Right. So he'll go onto Google, Google reviews and leave a review for a graveyard written in the voice of one of the dead people buried there. Oh my God, I love that so much. Well, it's not too bad. I guess in the winter it gets a little bit chilly. And yeah, so the south sun. 
Yeah, it's, it's peaceful in the that. mornings. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, which which inspired me to then leave a a review for London Heathrow in my head. Actually, I haven't written it down, but like the idea of like as as the runway, you know, it, it, or, or as the planes landing on the runway. Actually, so so you know, I, I enjoy the I enjoy the firm yet soft landing. I feel I feel safe as as I'm coming in at, at speed, and uh, you know, as I rush past, I think ah, all the time's gone by, and the things that we should have spoken about. I just, I, th- I think it's amazing. That's I think it's, it's innocent. I, and I might do stuff like that just because it sounds fun. He does it purely to make the next person that he doesn't know laugh. The person yeah. that reads oh it, God. the person that sees it. Particularly with the, with the graveyards as well. One of my favorite ones has to be the Amazon reviews for like Veet Cream and sugar-free gummy bears. Sugar-free gummy bears. Oh, yes. Have oh, you yeah. read the Veet Cream ones? Yeah, yeah, the men's one. The men's, yes. the men's oh my God, yeah. they are so amazing. It's like Satan breathing on my scrotum. Pretty Something much, like or like m- now my hair grows out, looks like a Rastafarian, like an angry Rastafarian is <laughs> down there. I was still the one that that, that made me laugh. So it's that I read that six years ago, and I still remember it to this day. It's things like that that make the next person reading it laugh. I think it's, I think is incredible. And if that was a marketing stunt, I'm going to make a terrible product so that it gets loads of reviews, so loads of people come on the product page, and maybe some of them buy them for their enemies. Amazing. Pretty much. I mean, I, I did say that one at one point, if I could, I would. This is why, like, when I say you can go out with hypotheticals and explore what goes on your brain, uh, my friends know this about me because I jokingly once said, well, they thought I was serious, but I was being joking. I would love to get some LSD and infuse them into some sugar-free gummy bears and give them to my enemy. Because could you imagine that you have diarrhea while you're tripping balls? It would be hilarious. Or it would feel amazing. I'm not really sure, but I'm pretty sure it would hurt them. So I'm actually quite happy with that. I think, I think that would be a terrific example of psychological warfare. Pretty much. It's like psychological, <laughs> biological, and physical warfare all at once. Yeah, in a cute little gummy. Gummy bear. Yeah, just like a cute little thing. Gummy. Who knew this thing could actually cause so much damage? <laughs> but it can. If you could change one world problem with one wish, what would it be? Oversensitivity. That, that's a problem I would really like to solve because poverty, unfortunately, as much as I wish that we, that is something we can solve, I don't think we can just simply because there's too many people in too many places, too much greed. It's, um, it's like pissing in the wind for me. Like, uh, do I wish it didn't exist? Yes. But it's kind of a difficult thing. Less, uh, what did I say? God. People getting offended too easily. Sensitivity. Sensitivity. If we, if we lower the sensitivity bar a little bit where you're like, I'm not going to be as sensitive about things. Yeah. Because I'll probably get crucified on this show anyway. Like, so I'm like, you said this and I didn't agree. I was like, well, it's my life experience. That's all it is. Okay, yeah, I agree. And then a lot of sensitivity of being oversensitive comes from making assumptions as well. Because yeah. rarely, rarely do humans actually want to deliberately offend other humans yeah. with what they're saying. Rarely, rarely is something about you. And actually, we had a guest on recently, um, Tiffany, I mutual friend, who said, said about like, if, if someone said something and it's upset you, unless you're absolutely certain it was about you, probably they've just shone a mirror on something that you're like, like some kind of insecurity. So maybe yeah. look there and, and, and think about that. But, yeah, that's what it is. You're not looking internal, you're looking external. And hoping that. that by getting rid of that, you'll start feeling pain. Final question. What makes you happiest? Making people laugh. Honestly, stories and making people laugh are the happiest things in my life. 
Like if I could sit down with someone like you, like today I am, I, this is a really happy moment for me because I'm talking to someone uh, that I like, someone that I get along with, and I'd say we make each other laugh. Definitely. It's, it's, it's a thing that's there. I mean, those are the best days for me. Those are the happiest moments. I'm going to leave with a, a heartfelt pause rather than doing what I'd normally do, which is add some humor into that. You could always add humor. It's up to you. <laughs> uh, well, I, what sprung to mind? I was going to go, but you're not gay, right? No. <laughs> so I was going to say, but um, I am happy though. Not that, not that. Yeah. So you're the Enid Blyton version of gay. What happened to that? You know, when like uh, Noddy and Big Ears for those yeah. listening, you mm -hmm. know, and, and having a gay old time in Toyland. Yeah, I'm using the original, I'm using the original, uh, the Land of Nod. Something like that, yeah. The Land of Nod just sounds like the best place to sleep. Land of Nod is the only place I want to exclusively sleep. <laughs> ah, Adil, that unfortunately brings us to the end of what has been an incredible journey. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed your your origin story uh marvel should definitely license that and tony stark specifically um but but the way you made copywriting advanced copywriting captivating copywriting so accessible to to the listeners today i repeat what you said but um for the for the listeners listen back um, most devices have those little it's like a little curly arrow circular arrow Circular arrow, fuck it. It's normally got a 10 or a 30 inside. That means skip back or skip forward by the number that's inside in seconds, right, typically, right? So you can use that. Even if you're driving, you can safely go tap, 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 tap to go back. If it's 30 seconds, that's two minutes, or right? Four taps. Have, or if you have like the little sound bar, just put your finger on it and pull it back. Exactly. Re-listen to it, study it, and then go to thecopywritersroom.com, adilamazi.com, Swipe.co, which isn't his, but is amazing. And the 101, what was it? WelcomeSequence101.com. WelcomeSequence101.com. Adil, at this point, do you have any asks or requests of the audience? Yeah, guys, if uh, you can follow me on social media, it's just Adil Amarcy. Um, I'll be, you know, you guys can find me there. Or if it's YouTube, it's Adil Amarcy official. But everywhere else, I'm just Adil Amarcy. You can find me there. Um, or Facebook. If you want to be my friend on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash Adil the awesome, though I would suggest you follow Adil Marcy instead because uh, I'm unfortunately hitting my full follow list there. So you guys can follow me. You'll see the videos I put up on there every week. Um, and ask questions. Just engage. Get to know me. I'd love to get to know you. Amazing. Well, once again, thank you so much for taking the time today, uh, sharing, uh, adding humor. You've ticked off the person you've made laugh today already, and it's, it's so early yeah. on. Thank you for co-sweating balls with me. Um, it's been it's been a fun time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me. Take care, guys. Hey there, you incredibly good-looking human. Thanks so much for listening. If you had a good time today and would like more good times in the future, please hit that subscribe button and leave a heartwarming review. I read them all and it will go a long way to help others out there benefit from all the teachings of this show. And if you want to get in touch or otherwise learn more about me, head to martincook.co.uk or smarterdestiny.com. I really appreciate you. You're an incredible human. Until next time, keep crushing. <laughs>